So this evening I wanted to speak a little bit about the seven factors of enlightenment. Can everybody hear me in the back? Yeah. And uh, you know, as Ayanana Bodhi mentioned yesterday, I think that uh, you know the core elements of the fourth foundation of mindfulness are the five hindrances and the seven factors of enlightenment. And uh, yeah, the seven factors of enlightenment, you know, they are in direct opposition to the five hindrances. You know, whenever the mind is free of the hindrances, whenever there is no hindrance present in the mind, then the seven factors of enlightenment are present. And the seven factors of enlightenment, you know, they are basically the goal, if we can say, of the practice, you know, to cultivate those seven factors of enlightenment, all the different methods of meditation, all the teachings, they are pointing towards those seven factors of enlightenment. And those seven factors of enlightenment, they are the path to enlightenment, and they also constitute enlightenment. And uh, just start by mentioning them. The first one is sati or mindfulness, awareness. The second one is uh, dhamma vichaya or investigation of dhammas. The third one is energy, virya. The fourth one is joy, rapture or pity. The fifth one is Pasadi, tranquility. The sixth one is concentration, concentration <laughs> samadhi. <laughs> and the last one is upeka, equanimity or equipoise. And, uh, you know, sati or mindfulness is the, the foundation. And, you know, it starts off the sequence. And it's not just the sequence, it's they're also kind of strengthening each other all the time. But we can see it, you know, like a, a spiral which is going deeper and deeper into the way things are, starting, you know, by setting up mindfulness. And then if we, you know, stay with the object and then, you know, go into direct experience and correlated experience, with the teaching of the Buddha, that's what Dhamma Vichaya is, investigation of Dhammas. It's like a truth discerning uh, approach, you know, to just, you, you are in direct experience, for example, with your body breathing, and because you have heard about impermanence, you know, it, it's a direct experience of impermanence, and then, you know, through, being able to correlate in that way, energy is aroused because you have this this um, recognition. Yes, I can do this. You know, I can experience the teaching within my own body and mind, and that automatically arouses energy. And uh, through this arousing of energy, you know, the experience becomes clearer to us, and then that brings joy. This is just a natural sequence, you know. This is, for example, if you are you're studying a language and then for the first time, you know, you go 
on the street in this country that you learn the language and suddenly you can understand one sentence and you have this feeling, oh, actually, I, maybe I really can learn this language. You know, this, this kind of feeling of uh, energy is rising up and, and this feeling of uh, conviction, you can, you can do this. And then you don't have to crank up the energy, it just naturally arises. And the joy as well. The joy is, is compared, you know, with somebody um, walking in the desert, you know, and then seeing the oasis from, from afar. And knowing, you know, if it's not a Fata Morgana, you know, knowing <laughs> that he or she will get there at one point if she keeps going. So this kind of, of um, recognition. And then through experiencing the energy and through experiencing the joy, uh, you know, the mind and the body feel a, a certain measure of, uh, you know, nourishment and fulfillment. And then because of that, the whole system of body and mind starts to, to settle, uh, tranquility. And then, you know, the seeing becomes even more clear because of the settling. And because of that, then the mind can collect and becomes very stable and still. And that's what samadhi is. Concentration is not a very good translation for the word samadhi because concentration gives that idea of kind of, you know, excluding and uh, focusing in a small way. But in reality, you know, it is like a, a natural kind of going deeper and, uh, you know, being not anymore thrown about, you know, by the experience, but really being able to stay with it. And then, you know, that naturally leads to equipoise and equanimity. And, you know, this equanimity is is like the consummation of all of the previous um, factors of enlightenment. Because this equanimity, you know, is, is uh, giving us more capacity, you know, to be even more aware of our experience. And then, you know, it goes deeper and deeper, it becomes more and more um, powerful, you know, the, our capacity to really keep steady and uh, be, you know, have the strength to really be affected by our experience and not have to kind of, you know, hold back by putting a story between, so to say, me and my experience. Because there is a certain amount of, you know, kind of holding back from directly fully touching our experience. We always, you know, want to kind of keep like a safe distance by thinking about it and commenting on it and, you know, checking it out, it's good or bad and all of those things. So this, you know, losing fear of formations, this equanimity is that which allows us to be, you know, to stay open, whatever it is, and, and learn from it. Not having to, you know, pick and choose because every, you know, every experience, pleasant or unpleasant or neutral, has a lot of information in it, you know. And if we can stay open to that information, this is how wisdom and compassion are cultivated. 
not by picking and choosing, but by just being with what is. And, uh, you know, st staying open with the process. And those seven factors of enlightenment are, you know, one way how, how that can be um, described, you know, how this capacity can be cultivated. And, you know, that's why we are all practicing. And also, you know, equanimity is also a parameter, one of the ten parameters, which is, you know, the, the qualities which parameter means to cross over, you know, crossing over from one shore to the other, as it's, you know, in the scriptures often explained what enlightenment is, you know, from one shore to the other through those different uh, qualities which, which support us in that endeavor. And also, you know, there's ten parameters, and the two most important ones is uh, equanimity and patience, you know. And both of them, they are not very flamboyant qualities, but they are most important, you know, for insight. And especially patience, you know, is a very difficult one, you know. Without patience, no equanimity. So patience is a very important uh, ingredient for the path. And, you know, meditation is just like so, such a good, uh, you know, tool for developing patience because, you know, there is, the, the job is never finished. You know, even you might have a very good meditation experience today, but, you know, an hour later it, it might just be completely gone again and you don't know when it's gonna, you know, come back. So, you know, without patience, we know we're gonna get anywhere with this practice. And uh, also the seven factors of enlightenment, they can be grouped into two camps, so to say, you know, sati and mindfulness is the one in the middle, you know, which is always useful. And then the first three following sati are more energizing, dhamma vichaya, investigation of dhammas, energy and joy or rapture. And the last three are more kind of uh, calming, you know. So if the mind is sluggish, it's better to focus on those three. And if the mind is overexcited or restless, it's better to focus on tranquility, stability, and uh, equanimity. And, uh, you know, and those seven factors for enlightenment, they are not only important for spiritual practice or Dhamma practice, but, you know, for any skill which we want to learn, any, you know, making a table or, or driving a car or writing, uh, writing a book or um, playing an instrument, those seven factors of enlightenment, they also need to be applied. You know, in order to, you have to pay attention, you have to kind of do a certain amount of, of uh, study about the subject, you have to put in energy, if there is no joy, if there is no interest, you're no, not going to get anywhere with it. And then, you know, there has to be like a certain, um, you know, a certain kind of staying with it and being able to focus on it. And, 
you know, have the strength to just go through the process, even it's frustrating and, and uh, you know, sometimes maybe very boring and so on and so forth. So those seven factors of enlightenment for any skill we want to learn, we have to put in the, the time, you know, we have to put in the application. And so it is with meditation and with also, you know, it's not, uh, you know, if somebody, you know, tries to meditate like three or four times and then it doesn't really work and just the thing is not working. It's just like learning to play the piano. You, you probably need to put in many years and with the meditation it's just the same. It's, it's a, a skill which we can learn. And, and it's not necessary, I know, that we are learning to, you know, and the mind will be always, uh, you know, very quiet or we always have every time, you know, very deep insight, even after 20 years it mightn't be the case. But what we do learn is, you know, to have the patience and to not give up. And that in itself is a very powerful quality to develop. It's not about you know, having every time a wonderful meditation, but it's about sitting down again and again, even you, you're not getting necessarily what you want, but then in a different way, you actually do develop um, very important qualities, you know, for life and, you know, for you as a, as a person, in, in, you know, in a relationship with other people and also in terms of understanding the way things are. But it isn't delivered in the way we think in the beginning. We think, you know, that we are always having a very peaceful, blank mind. That is a good thing. But what is the real good thing is, you know, to not be afraid from whatever is happening in the mind. That's the most important thing. Because that is what carries us, you know, through life. And this is, you know, people who have that quality they are, you know, pleasant to be with and uh, they do have wisdom and compassion because they know that you can't control the universe or life or your mind, you know, but you can stay open with whatever is and then that in itself, you know, is the fruit of the practice that capacity, that nothing whatsoever, you know, is, is, is a problem. Because we know it has a beginning, a middle and an end and we don't need to push it away. Because by, you know, not wanting something, we just make it stronger. And, you know, and then through that capacity, of uh, working in that way, uh, a natural, you know, letting go is uh, is becoming stronger and stronger, and that then, you know, if the causes and condition comes together, it can translate into enlightenment at a, at an unknown time. You know, we just have to put in the footwork, and then at one point when causes and conditions are ripe, it's going to snap through. And we don't know when that's going to be. And, you know, and uh, whenever that happens, then 
in the, in the Pali scriptures, they're speaking about the four stages of, of enlightenment. And the so-called ten fetters, you know, the ten fetters which keeps us bound to, you know, come back again and again because of the mind is still has a momentum which brings us back, you know, even when we die, the mind is, you know, coming back to a different body and, you know, has to keep on uh, learning and has to keep on, you know, cultivating those seven factors of enlightenment until they are ripe for, for the complete letting go. So it's, you know, it's not a very complex set of qualities to develop, but it takes a lot of patience and, and repetitive application, you know, and then we tend to get bored with it. But the boredom is not, you know, uh, something which is out there because the boredom comes if we are not applying ourselves in the right way, you know, then we can be bored. But if we can really cultivate those factors of enlightenment, then, you know, the whole experience opens up and what once was a really boring thing, you know, just sitting and breathing in and breathing out can become something uh, very <coughs> beautiful. And uh, just it depends you know, on how skilled we are to cultivate those factors of enlightenment. And uh, here I have a quote. It's from the Anguttara Nikaya. The Buddha says, whosoever is emancipated from the world does so by removing the five hindrances, firmly establishing the mind in the four foundations of mindfulness and cultivating the seven factors of enlightenment. So whosoever is emancipated from the world, which is you know, the same as saying is enlightened, does so by removing the five hindrances, firmly establishing the mind in the four foundations of mindfulness and cultivating the seven factors of enlightenment. And you know, and that can be either just, you know, for a minute or 10 minutes or 10 hours or five hours, you know, if we can cultivate that, or if we can cultivate it to the extent that, the, that there's a real breakthrough occurring, it can be a permanent cultivation. But even, even just right now, you know, if your mind is not overcome by any of the five hindrances, then you have a temporary liberation of the mind and those seven factors of enlightenment will be present. So, you know, it's something which we can experience temporarily, but we can also experience it ongoingly, depending, you know, where we are in the practice. And then also how are they cultivated, you know, those seven factors of enlightenment. We don't have to forego, you know, our object of meditation. Whatever you are meditating on, you know, the body breathing, uh, the body parts or um, 
the elements or any of the different forms of meditation we have been speaking uh, about, you know, you always have to set up awareness or mindfulness because that's the you know, essence, the core quality of meditation. And then if you stay with it, all of the other seven factors, you know, will arise. So it's not like a separate meditation, but it's seven factors which you are recognizing whatever kind of meditation you are doing, you know, at, at any session. And, uh, and how, you know, how you work with them is to just, you know, just the same as with the hindrances. You are looking, you know, at, is any of those factors, is it present or is it not present? And then when you, you know, for example, if, if your meditation is going relatively well, you know, and you are not overcome by any of the hindrances, then, of course, you know, mindfulness is present. Energy is present. A certain amount of joy and tranquility and so on is, is all present. And you can just, like, you know, while you are the main meditation object, maybe for some time goes a little bit into the background, and you're just checking, you know, on the seven factors, and then you come back to the meditation object. That's the way how, how we can work with that. And you know, and then um, the the second factor of enlightenment, Dhamma Vichaya. The, the you know investigation of tamas is also in direct opposition to the hindrance of doubt and energy or virya is in direct opposition to the hindrance of sloth and torpor and tranquility is in direct uh, opposition to restlessness and worry So, you know, we, they can't be both in the mind at the same time, the hindrances and the seven factors of enlightenment. But this, the, the hindrances, you know, can be, be a, a meditation object to start with, you know, setting up mindfulness. And that's when the sequence of the seven factors of enlightenment starts to occur. So the, the hindrances can be you know, food for the practice, like I think I mentioned yesterday, you know, like in the garden, you know, the weeds, you're not throwing them away, but you're using them to make compost and then you dig them back in into the earth and then there will be more, you know, vegetables and fruits and so on being available because, you know, you have been using the weeds to nourish the the ground, you know, and it's the same thing, you know, you're using the hindrances to cultivate the factors of enlightenment. So nothing is, you know, needs to be thrown away or anything. It just needs to be seen for what it is and then transformed. And I think this is very important to know this, you know, because nothing whatsoever, you know, what obsesses the mind or, you know, certain tendencies we have or certain habits we have, you know, they all can be food, you know, for the practice. We can learn from everything. Nothing needs to be, you know, condemned or 
is hopeless or anything like this. It just takes energy, it just takes patience, you know, it just takes the willingness to work with it. And then over time, you know, we become more courageous because we we see it's really working, you know, and then we can take on more difficult uh, things, you know. And then, you know, when they get thrown up again, like Anna Navoli was also speaking about working with um, depression, you know, in the beginning it looks all like kind of totally hopeless, you know. But then you, you might sometimes really see that it does work, you know, the next time when it hits you, you have more resilience, you know. So it's, it's you know, the seven factors of enlightenment are really a way how we can build resilience and uh, you know, personal power, you know, to not shrink away from what's happening and stay with it, you know, and learn from it. And then when next time around, you know, we have can even take more on, you know, and it's like, uh, you know, like any other skill you learn, it's just like that. You know, in the beginning when you learn to drive a car, everything is completely focused. You can't speak with anybody. You can't do anything else but just focusing on it, you know. And a few years later, you can you speak with your friend, eat something and drive all at the same time and listen to the radio. You, you, in the beginning it sounded impossible and maybe even, you know, write on your phone or something. <laughs> it's not recommended. But meditation is the same, you know, because we tend to think meditation is kind of different, you know, than any other skill. But it isn't. It's just the same. It's just the same. Yeah. It's really important to remember that, you know. Yeah. And... Um, you know, I've brought one of the lists again. I hope it's not too boring, but it's about, you know, from the scriptures again. This is a, a survey of supportive, supportive conditions for developing the awakening factors. And if you want, I can read it out. And if you don't want, we can just drop it. I'd like to hear it. You want to hear? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, It's you know, it's again, it's not West Coast parlance. It's it's kind of different <laughs> way of speaking. But I find it sometimes quite uh, kind of nice, you know, because it 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 startles the mind a little bit. It, it goes a bit deeper, you know. So first one, mindfulness, sati, mindfulness and clear knowledge, avoiding unmindful people and associating with mindful people. Inclining the mind accordingly towards the development of sati. And then investigation, dhamma-vichaya, theoretical inquiry, bodily cleanliness, balance of the five faculties, avoiding unwise people and associating with wise people. That's almost every time, I just tell you. <laughs> Reflecting on the deeper aspects of the dhamma, Inclining the mind accordingly. Energy, virya. Reflecting on the fearfulness of the planes of misery. That means about, you know, reflecting on being reborn, you know, lower than a human being, being reborn as an animal or as a hungry ghost or something like that. Seeing the benefits of effort. Reflecting on the path to be practiced. 
honoring the offerings one has received, reflecting on the inspiring qualities of the tradition one is following of one's teachers and one's status as a follower of the Buddha and of companions in the holy life, avoiding lazy people and associating with energetic people, inclining the mind accordingly, joy or pity, recollecting the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, one's virtue, one's acts of generosity, heavenly beings and the peace of realization, avoiding rough people and associating with refined people, reflecting on inspiring discourses, inclining the mind accordingly. Tranquility Pasadi, I'm sure you like that one, good food, <laughs> agreeable weather, comfortable posture, balanced behavior, avoiding restless people and associating with calm people, <laughs> inclining the mind accordingly. Concentration Samadhi, I said stability of mind or stillness of mind, bodily cleanliness, balancing the five faculties, skill in taking up the sign of concentration, which means the meditation object, skill in inciting, restraining, gladdening, and not interfering with the mind at the right time, avoiding distracted people and associating with attentive people, <coughs> reflecting on the attainment of absorption, inclining the mind accordingly, and equanimity opeka, detachment towards people and things, avoiding prejudiced people and associating with impartial people, inclining the mind accordingly. And also you know, it said that the seven factors of enlightenment are a teaching which only is revealed when a, by a Buddha. I, I don't know if that's true, but this is what is said. And you know, it's also seen as uh, you know that people who have cultivated their minds, they have a mastery over those seven factors of enlightenment. They can choose, you know, like someone. It's in this. It's written in the suttas, <coughs> choosing you know from a full wardrobe whatever you want to wear, the same like that, you know, somebody just chooses whatever factor of enlightenment he or she wants to kind of cultivate in the moment and can do that effortless, you know, move between them whatever is, is um, useful at the, in the moment. And as a last thing, you know, the seven factors of enlightenment, the sutta has also been used for if people have illnesses, you know, they were, the seven factors of enlightenment were recited. The Buddha himself, it, it was done to him when he was ill, and also to others of his disciples. The, the reciting of the seven factors of enlightenment was known also for curing illnesses. Don't ask me why, but that's also in the suttas. And uh, another body and I, we would like to chant for you, uh, a Pali chant about those seven factors of enlightenment. And uh, you can, uh, maybe you can recognize some of the words which I, I have just been, you know, saying, Sati, Dhamma Vichaya, Virya, uh, 
Pitti, Passati, Samadhi and Upeka. Sati Sampato Dhammanang Vichayo Tata Viryang Piti Pasa Dipao Chanta Chattata Pare Tadato Kapo Chanta Sate Te Sabata Sina Munina Samata Kata Pavita Pahuli Kata Sangvatantiya Pinyaya Nipanaya Chapodiya Etena Satchavachena Sotite Hotu Sabata Kata Dhamma Ekasmin Nato Mokalanan Chakasapang Kilane Tukite Tisva Pochanke Satate Saite Chatan Apinantitva Roka Mochim Sutankane Etena Satchavachena Sotite Hotu Sapata Tamara Chapi Kelane Napi Pilito Chunda Terena Tane Vapana Petwana Sakata Maditva Chapata Tanghavuta Sitana So Etena satchavachena sotite hotu sabata pahinate chaapata dinanam pimahesina mahakatakile savapatanu patitamatang etena satchavachena sotite hotu sabata. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.